I'm, just, I'm always happy to see you, man. That's what it is. It's just joy. Yeah. Joy de vivre. <laughs> what the hell is that? What? I don't know. The joy of living, Josh. Oh. Okay. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. Okay. Okay. Trying to be more no nonsense this morning. Have you ever thought, Josh, what it's like to be inside my head? It's a scary place. Bob, have you relubricated your vocal cords? I just did, Josh. I know. Thank you. So for those of you that maybe didn't know, as we go to start every episode, Bob's joking in his normal, boisterous self, laughing. He's all over the place. Then he gets this, like, all of a sudden, let's go, let's go, let's go. And then he takes a drink of something. So we can't actually go. Go immediately. But, yeah. I'm, but I'm lubing my voice. I'm getting ready. Okay, I got you. I'm... So the reason why that's important is because today is the relubrication episode. Ooh. What the heck does that mean, Ooh, Bob? Jiffy Lube. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yes. Okay, so can you explain? Because this was your idea. No, we talked about it in the last Metacast, Josh. It was our, we co-created this idea. No, you, the, you, the relubrication concept was did your not idea. Come, did not did come, come from you. <laughs> I know for sure, Bob. <laughs> so, had, so can you explain the genesis of that? So the genesis was, you know, we were talking about teams that had lost their mojo or mm-hmm. lost their energy. And I think I brought up something about like relubing themselves or re-energizing themselves or how do you how do you reduce the friction, whatever. And there's a lot of there's a lot of it could be organizational friction, mm-hmm. it could be management friction, it could be it could be team turnover, it could be it could be distributed like virtual teams, could be part of the losing their mojo, etc. So I Metacasters, that that I think is the essence of this is this episode is how do you how do you re-engage your teams? What are some ideas around, yeah. re, you know, sort of minimizing the friction? How, do you like that? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. fine. Yeah. Like friction minimalization. Well, but the... But Say the, that five times, Josh. No, I'm not even going to try. Remember there was an episode a few times back where you repeated something? Like, you were just <laughs> you were in my face, man. And you did it well. That's because you, you challenged me. I had to step up. Uh, you And you and and there was like a fourth time, and then you had to go for five, right? It was yeah, you fun. said say it five times. I know, and you did. So I, as you were talking through that, I kind of pictured an engine that had seized up or maybe had gotten rusty. And, oh, that's a cool. And the reason it became that way was because it stopped getting used. So that doesn't mean you're not doing agile, but maybe you're not doing the core of agile, which is always trying to improve with every sprint. Like maybe you've gotten stale there and that part of the engine has seized up because you haven't as aggressively lubricated that part of your process where we're always looking for ways to get better. It's like, hey, we're good enough. And you just kind of settle in. And I've seen a lot of teams. Heck, I've been a part of teams that have done that where we just kind of hit our stride. But in hitting our stride, we kind of lose who we are a little bit and just kind of like coast. I think complacency is one of those things. Um, and, and what I want to say is there's, there's a natural, I, I wouldn't say, and we've talked about this, I think, in the Metacast before, mm-hmm. 
that that when you're doing continuous improvement, it's hard. Yeah. So it's okay to peak out and take a break. I yeah. think like there's an S curve. Yes, without a doubt. Right. You like we start and then we accelerate with continuous improvement, but then you know if that goes on for a year, the team may just get tired with continuous improvement. So allow allow the, yourselves allow the team to do that. So we're not talking about that. That to me is not. There's a normalcy to it. Yeah. There's a normalcy to people blowing leaves outside of my window right now. Right, right as we start to record. As we start to record. Yeah. So, but it's 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 the abnormal part of that. It's the complacency part of that. Like it goes on for too long. Yeah. Like that flat that flat period goes on for too long. Yeah. Or you actually never. I've seen teams that never really achieve the acceleration as mm-hmm. well. They mm-hmm. they do a little bit, but they really never sort of get that acceleration. Retrospective. I would I would throw on the table that the retro might be a peak part of that or a central that's a huge indicator yeah of what your engine's doing you know it, it because to bob's point you can't have the pedal to the metal 24 7 and not expect the engine to blow up yeah so you have to give it a break but also if you leave it idle for too long something's going to happen because it's idle and it's not doing what it needs to do so that's where those peaks and valleys can and should happen because that's what we all need to be able to accelerate because acceleration is really a thing. Right. But yeah, so it's, it's, that's always an indicator. Like that's one of the things that when I'm coaching, that's one of the most interesting ceremonies or events or whatever the proper term is now that I want to see because I want to see that dialogue. I want to see how thoughtful, and truly retrospective that team is because that gives you a window into the likelihood of them not needing extra lubrication. Right, right. I think uh, one thing, sort of one one way to look for it, I, lo- I think of Energizer Bunnies. So that's a, that's a U.S. thing mm-hmm. where there's this battery commercial where there's Energizer batteries. And one way to break out of it, I don't think teams... Teams can break out of it, but I think you need like a spark, mm-hmm. right? Now, I typically will, like a coach or a scrum master could be a spark. Yep. A leader might be a spark or an individual team member might be a spark. So I, I rarely see like the entire team one day is they're complacent and then suddenly everyone gets yeah. energized at yeah. the same time, right? And they start accelerating. It normally takes like an event or an, an internal sort of person to recognize it and to even stand up in a retrospective and call the team out mm-hmm. or challenge themselves mm-hmm. or, or do something. Have, would you buy that as a way to break out, to break out of the complacency? Yeah, that's one of the things we've talked about a bajillion, and that's a technical term, a bajillion times here. Someone has to have the courage to say, folks, this is not good enough. We are better than this. Yeah. Let's snap out of it and get back to who we are. Yep. And usually... That's easier to see from the outside. Yeah. So that's where, to your point, the coaches. Oh, I would. You know, I would buy that. Yeah. Actually, that's a that's a twist on it. So it needs a spark plug, and an outside spark plug is usually, you know, not better, but but there it's more visible to the outside yeah. than it is inside out. It's outside in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole forest for the trees yeah, thing, yeah. right? You're so deep in it. Yep. That it's hard for you to be able to take that step back and say, "Wait a minute, what are we doing? This right. isn't. This isn't us." Right. I do think there's like a principle thing. I I want to bounce this off of you and see. Mm-hmm. It's not a principle thing, but I talk to leaders. I do leadership training, mm-hmm. and I talk about the responsibility that leaders have to bring it every day. Yep. 
that doesn't mean they can't have a bad day, right? Like they can have yeah. a bad day, they can have something happening in their lives where they need to handle it. But in general, over a year, over the course of a year, a leader, almost independent of what's going on in their life, they have they have a responsibility to bring it. Uh, I wonder if some of that yeah, can, and, and if you don't, like get out of the leadership business. Mm -hmm. I wonder if there's something similar in teams and energizing teams where you have to remind the team of like the responsibility you have as a team member to bring it. What do you think? Is 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 it inherently the same, or is that just for leaders? I think we always talk about as a leader, you have to model the behavior you're looking to see from within your team. So as a as an external leader, right. as not a member of the team, you absolutely have to do that. I think really, truly high efficient, high output teams have someone inside of the team that operates that same way. I don't believe it's fair to expect everybody to have that because there's just different personalities. So let me challenge yeah. you. I want to bring football into it. Yeah. So you you were playing, you were practicing mm -hmm. right at Cincinnati mm -hmm. and you came onto the field, you know, I'm okay today. Right. And you join your tight the tight ends and you join the offensive line and you were going through practices and and you were you were just meeting, you were barely there. Mm -hmm. You were, you were, is that okay? Was it okay? Or did you have to, is if that you want to play? Yeah. If you want to play, you have to operate at that 24 seven. You got to bring it. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's from the inside out is what I'm saying. Yes. Right. You, you know, yeah. no one's going to coax you. Right. I mean, they're going to, your coach, no. your coach might yell at you. Well, but, no, the coach will put somebody else in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You've talked about that in the past. Yeah. It's pretty vicious, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, perform it's not vicious. It's performance. Yeah. Performance counts. So I can see where the Energizer Bunnies work, but I almost, what I'm what I'm thinking is high-performance agile teams or teams that are relubing. People in the morning, when they get up, need to look themselves in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And different personality types, different cultures. I get that. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But... But however, get yourself up and enter the arena. Ooh. Look at you. Enter the arena with the right mindset. I, I wonder if that's a part of it. All right. I, I, I would like to retract my statement. I, I do agree with you that for a team to be that team we all aspire to have or be a part of, everyone has to have that, that view. To your point, there are going to be days... When it's not a good day for you, and that's and that's I'm not yeah. looking for a hundred right. Yep, you embrace that. But I'm talking about the average, like over the course of a month. Yeah, you had 29 bad ones and one yeah. good one. That's probably not a good enough ratio. Yeah, yeah, and going back to the personality types, the personality type doesn't matter. Man, I'm just like retracting everything I said. <laughs> the personality type doesn't matter when you're modeling the right behavior yeah right whether you're outspoken you're introvert you're whatever you're <laughs> this is the this is the bob <laughs> noise episode we're gonna I we're gonna rename it <laughs> this is the noisy episode metacasters but but i think i like the content so far so hopefully yeah. you can overlook yeah. all the next nerfs. we can let the dogs in and let them <laughs> or run let around the, for let the dogs out <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's dang it. I just really put my foot in my mouth like 5 minutes ago. 
No, you. I don't think you really, but... Well, I think I did, because I'm like, I, I, I'm truly doing a 180 on that. I wonder why I was going that direction. But yeah, that that that, that modeling... And it's be yourself. Yeah. Like an introvert, a quiet introvert newbie. I don't know what bring it means. Figure it out. Right. But but maybe that means you listen. Maybe that means you grab someone and pair with them. Yeah. Maybe that... I, I don't really care. Yeah. But you're not disengaged. Exactly. So what doesn't it look like? You're not disengaged. You're not blaming. You're not lackadaisical. You're not waiting for someone to invite you <laughs> to do work, right? You're you're like leaning in yeah. to whatever degree that's comfortable for you. Yeah. Yeah, and your team will be most successful if they can do that themselves. Yes, there's times when maybe an outside coach is going to notice it sooner or something like that, but ultimately for those truly self-sustaining, self-driven teams, that has to happen. I just ran a class, I'm running a class, a, a leadership class. So I ran a cow class for a client, and for leaders at the client, and they had this epiphany of, can we, they liked it, they liked the dynamics, and they said, can we run the teams through it, through a, a one day version, mm -hmm. and, and I, I was trying to figure out what that is. And part of it is communication. So part of it is radical candor is part of it to help the teams figure out how to communicate more effectively. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was really concerned because there's like five classes. And so we're running it through like 90 people and you know, there's a few leaders in the class, but it's like mostly individual contributors. And I was wondering like, would it resonate, mm -hmm. right? Because it's a leadership class. I mean, the content is... Now, I, you know, I started off each class saying, we're all leaders. You know, you've heard me talk yeah. about that pitch, right? <laughs> Ad nauseum. And I mean it. It's not a pitch. We're all, we're all leaders. People are paying attention to you all the time, mm -hmm. right? You're leading when you're not leading, yep. right? They're watching you, your behavior, your attitude. And the, I've run one class, and I have two more coming up this week. And so the first class, it resonated... It resonated better with the teams than it did with leaders usually. They really got the fact that they were all leaders. Hmm. They really, like what we're talking about here, like mm -hmm. showing up. Like it matters how you show up. You could see people thinking, we were talking about being more reflective, taking, you know, inside out leadership. Right, uh, yeah. You know, being conscious about how you show up, being conscious about walking your talk, etc. And I, I could see it. You know, I thought it wouldn't land at all, and it really landed for folks. Now they weren't—they weren't thinking about the leadership stories. They were thinking about how do I become a better team member? Right, exactly. Yeah. How do I lead from myself, from the position I have? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was the coolest thing. I hope—I hope that wasn't monopoly. I hope—I hope it resonates with each group. Yeah, I don't think it would be because that's probably an eye-opening thought of how I, as a team member, should operate. As opposed, you could see the aha yeah. in everyone's eyes, because it was moving from I work, I I contribute to I also influence. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, and it was very cool to see folks yeah. starting. And to that's what so many people want, but yet so many organizations don't allow or empower that. So it's not un unfortunately, it's not the first reflexive approach that people take. There've been so many times where I've even like just asked people what they thought or what they thought we should do. And like, well, why are you asking me? You're the director. I'm like, okay, so what? Like, but you're part of the team. You're the one building it. Exactly. What do you think? And they're like, 
no one's ever asked me that. I'm like, well, that's a problem, but we're changing that. It's so I think that's part of the relube. Maybe mindset is what we're what we're circling around is changing your personal mindset a little bit and how you show up. What other lube efforts? I want to. What, what else? So we talked about spark plugs. We talked about mindset. I think a common thing that can do that you can do, but some people go overboard with this is just change up the ceremonies a little bit. Don't allow them to be the same thing for five years. I have been with teams where we've been doing things for three years yeah, and it just, and we were good and everybody was happy. The product was healthy. People enjoyed, like it was a great place to work, but still like three years of doing the same thing. Yeah. We're like, all right, let's, let's just change how we do this to give the brain a little bit of a challenge and have it think differently about that moment that they've done, you know, 900 times or something like so that. So experiment more. Yeah. If I could capture it. Yeah. Maybe like experiment mm-hmm. with ceremonies and events, experiment with everything maybe. Yeah. Is... But, but, but don't go overboard. I have seen places where a scrum master does a different retro style every retro. We, we've talked about that on the Metacast. Yeah. And, and gets... so then the first 15 minutes of the hour or whatever that you have planned, the team's trying to figure out, okay, how the hell do I say what's not working? You know, so don't, don't, don't go crazy with it, but you need to do that every once in a while. What would be, if we were to give people some experimentation ideas, why don't we drop some specifics? I would say pairing opportunities, right? Mm-hmm. So really look for, can you create T-shaped people and, and pair in different ways than you normally have in all directions, right? Like testers into, not just functional pairs, but cross-functional pairs and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and don't do it don't do it you know holistically or religiously but do it opportunistically what else what would be so pairing would be a good one having people do work that they're uncomfortable with oh yeah without a doubt yeah right like take take risks right because people get into their comfort zone yeah from a work perspective so so sort of mix it up have have a newbie take a hard thing this is a silly example and having having an experienced person take a trivial thing or something do do like by rote Right, like I love it. Yeah. I love it when everyone on a team runs manual test cases, mm-hmm. which are mind-numbing. Right, like manual running manual test cases, and they still exist in the world. Yeah, is is not intellectually pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's mind-numbing. So, but everyone says, "Well, the testers—that's <laughs> the testers' job." Yeah, why doesn't everyone take some mind-numbing work? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it might make you more sensitive. It might yeah. you might have you might actually be inspired to reduce the mind-numbing work in some way. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing that I do because I believe it's healthy for people's careers to expand the top of their tea and give them a little bit more experience in things that they aren't comfortable with. Now, that doesn't mean, so database expert, I might not jump them all the way into like React Native, yep. but still I'd push them more towards the front. Again, I think it does two things. It helps them learn and grow, helps them become more marketable yep. in the future. But but also, it it does give them empathy for their teammates that are working with their. And like that's a problem is I don't even like to say, well, it's your piece and your piece and your piece. To yep. me, it's everybody's piece, and I drive that across the team by making sure it's not always the same person that works on the the database. But when something's really hard. 
yep. we're going to go to the database expert because it's like, let's get yep. this right. But we can't, we don't want the silos. Exactly. Um, so so that's, a, that's a thing that you have to push. So definitely look around your team and see if you've fallen into that rut of everybody's doing the same of resprint. Everyone, sure. could, everyone could do a, you know, everyone could do a spike. Yeah. Everyone could do a little bit of research. Sometimes spikes land on just one or two people, the yeah. more senior folks. Another experiment, everyone is, is like have, have multiple people uh, play the scrum master role. Oh yeah. If it's okay with, I, I think it makes, and again, it goes back to what Josh was saying with empathy. Mm -hmm. it, it, you know, we lose empathy. I think you're a great team. If you do a stint as a scrum master, you become a much better team yeah. member. You might even be able to twist it and say, become a little bit of a mini product owner. Yeah. Like, like, like if there's an opportunity, do a presentation to an executive with the product owner. Like, see the kind of crap that they have to put up with. Build your empathy. Build your muscle. Build the, you know, oh, the market is different than I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teams that are terrible at sprint planning, I I rotate it across each each member of the team to make them run that sprint planning and then they see how painful it is when nobody's paying attention no one's investing all of that stuff that's well even the, the even the predictability mm -hmm. like I, i'm getting excited about this thread but having someone report out like talk to a manager or talk to exec everyone's well it's no estimates you know agile we can't forecast stuff get used to it well, someone on that team is talking to someone who doesn't buy that crap, right? Mm -hmm. Usually it's an executive or something mm -hmm. saying, yeah, oh, I really appreciate that idea, but guess what? I have to talk to a board and I have to talk to customers and we have to forecast something. So understanding, I think building systemic empathy is the more you can do that makes you a better team member, keeps things fresh, keeps your experiments fresh. Yeah, one of the terms that I use for the types of teammates that I try to hire and or shape is commercially minded. Yeah. So that they really understand how the business works. Yep. One of the things that I am pretty passionate about going forward from here is finding ways for the teams to be customers of their product. I think some of the best companies, some of the best products oh, man. Yeah. are are built by people that are customers. So think of Spotify, yeah. right? I am sure many people are on that team because they're passionate about music yeah. and passionate about their music and passionate about finding the next music. You think about GitHub, things like that, yeah. where again, every person is a consumer of that. And then you, you understand what it's like when something's busted as opposed to, well, yeah, like, I, you know, I'm sure it's hard for that end user somewhere in Southwest Texas that, you know, they can just, there's a workaround. They'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I think that, I mean, it, it's going back to this empathy thing we're talking about. I don't know if you could get frozen. You know, we're talking about relubing. Mm -hmm. It's it's harder to get frozen if you have that customer or that client mindset. Right. It, like I'm serving them, mm -hmm. right? I have a bug or they need a new design or et cetera. It's hard to be complacent with yeah. that. I mean, you yeah. can have those bad days. That's not what we're yeah, talking without about. without a doubt. But if you have your eye on the on the prize, and if you're passionate about something, man, that's gonna uh, that's gonna juice you up every day. That's gonna get you excited every day. Yep. Did we cover? I'm trying to think of what else to cover to re-energize. So we said retros. I think we talked about a lot of symptoms. I'd like to try and give some more actionable yeah. things people can do. So. We talked about 
pairing, rotating roles yeah. within the team, not just like Scrum Master, but who's working on front end, back end stuff. So mix that up, working upstream with executives and customers and understanding yep. the business of the business, potentially being a customer of your own product. I, I'd say the product owner. We, mm -hmm. One thing we didn't talk about is we talked about the team's responsibility to understand the outside. Mm -hmm. I think that the business has an, a responsibility, the product owner, to explain the why and the intentionality to the team as well, mm -hmm. right? So it's not just the team searching for it. Like, like get the CEO to come in and, and talk about the compelling why are we doing this. Right. What's the, what's the problem we're trying to solve? Mm -hmm. And then continually iterate that. So I, I think product, I'm picking on, not I'm picking on, I think it's a responsibility. There, there's a responsibility of the product owner of that team to not yell at the team or, you know, sort of pick on the team, but to energize the team. Mm -hmm. I, I, I wrote a blog post a while back. I think it was like 12 ways a product owner can rip the soul out of a team or 12 <laughs> ways. I think it was, I think it was actually re-energize. I'll send that to you to put on this, this Metacast. Mm -hmm. The product owner can, depending on how they show up to the team, yeah. they can generate a lot of energy to the team. Yeah. Right? Welcome to our diversity inclusion minute. Hold it. I need to take a drink, Josh. <laughs> you no. can't do that. <laughs> hey, everyone. So I'll jump in. There's, there's a group. It's a new group. And uh, they're called Agile Disciples, I think. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of scrum masters and coaches, not solely from Texas. There's folks from Africa, Nigeria. I think there are a few. But a lot of the folks live in Texas. And they're, they're trying to spin up a group. We talked about in the Medicast. They're trying to spin up a group to give back to the community. So to learn to become coaches themselves, but also to give back. So they're trying to do both sides of mm -hmm. that. And I've, I've been trying to help them. And they have a talk coming up. Oh, I forget what day, but we'll get it in the link. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to do a kickoff talking about coaching for them. So they invited me to say, can you do like an inaugural thing to get some energy yeah they're trying to create a group with some like a meetup group or something like that they still don't have a website they're still forming but that's what i'm involved with that and excited metacasters someone don't get put off by the name disciples so oh yeah. so, someone negatively commented on linkedin about it and his obnoxious name will remain nameless but you know it's it it is a triggering term don't let it trigger they're not religious and they're not they, well they, they might be religious but yeah but they're not they're not there's tying, no intention there's no intent to tie religion to agile in any way yeah it's yeah. a term that really resonated with them yeah yep so we're in the relubrication episode i think it's worth everybody hitting the pause button and looking at themselves and saying, do I need to re-lubricate my diversity and inclusion efforts? Have things gotten a little stale? I am one of those people, right? So that's, that's I'm going to ask everybody to do that same thing and think about what can I do? We have great models like Bob Galen. That's, that's I'm going to cry. No, I mean, you're pivoted. You just pivoted. I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a look and you're like, <laughs> you know me. He's like, what is he thinking? <laughs> no, Josh, you, you rock. Yeah. What a role model you are. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. No, that's, I'm just like, I'm almost emotional. That's, <laughs> no, you pivoted and you're right. I think the Reluba, that episode applies perfectly to yep, this stuff. It does. Man. All right. Nicely done. Back to the episode. Back to the episode. The first thing I would do after listening to this episode is if I'm a team member, do I know 
the why behind what we're building. So the feature we're working on right now, yes, you know it's a new button on a screen that does a thing, but do you know how that makes your customer's life better? Do you understand the difference that that's gonna make for them on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? If, it, if you're not a member of the team, ask your team that. And if they don't know it, it's not their fault. It's yours, exactly. it's your job as the leader, the product owner, the whatever, it's your job to ensure that you connect that with them. Exactly. So don't get mad if they don't know it, get mad at yourself because you've you missed the mark there. Now that doesn't mean the game's over, but you need to really push in and work harder at that. And that to me is step one because that does invigorate people, that empathy that people have will ensure a better product. Bob's furiously scribbling notes. No, no, no. I, I mean, so another actionable thing idea I had is is maybe in the retro is around the retro. Do a, a a quick poll. You could keep it confidential if you wanted to, but like an NPS, mm -hmm. like ask everyone what is our on a scale of one to ten. What is our what is our passion, or what is our bringing it proposition, and just make it transparent. And then the next question would be, depending on where the value is, what can we do. What can, so focus the retro not on other stuff. Focus the retro on relubing the team. Right. And what's our what's our lubination metric right now? And where do we want to lubinify ourselves in the future? What has happened? I, it's just gone to hell. <laughs> we go we go from leaf blowers outside to lubination. Very ancient residential phone ringing. <laughs> <laughs> like a classic it plugs into the wall phone to Bob making up words. I don't know what's happening. Sorry, Bob. No, I am old. I know. I know. I know. I quit real quickly. Josh. Yeah. I have a, a, a telecom client and we were having a zoom and that phone rang. They abused the crap out of me for that phone. man, And I deserved it actually. So the producers, of the service that that uses we're laughing at you yes okay yeah okay yeah so the the other thing i was the other the other thing i was saying that's related to this is roman pitchler who's written a book about product ownership mm -hmm. and he wrote a blog and i think i responded to it so i'll send you some links to post and he he wrote a blog post that was he was picking on a team's performance so a frozen team a non-lubed team mm -hmm. and he he was talking about how to how to attack the team not attack but how do you like addressing the team and and my response to him was i liked his article but i was like you know it's not all about the team so the morale of the team is related to the environment more than it is so my response to him so don't attack the team the first thing is is there anything in the organization that's minimizing the energy of the team mm -hmm. Then is there anything in the team's organization? Then in, then look at management, organizational management. Then look at the team's managers. Then look at the team. So instead of starting with the team, and 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 metacasters don't. I want the team should take ownership of this. Yes. But I think in parallel, it's look at your organizational ecosystem mm -hmm. and check if, are there things in our in our sort of atmosphere that are causing us to freeze. And try to eradicate those as well. What do you, what do you think about that? So it's it's that directional view. Uh, I, I agree. Right. That's that's a 
that's a leader. And going back to sports, you never, never's probably incorrect. You very rarely see a coach in a press conference not say it's his fault. Yeah. Right. As a leader, it's your fault. Whether you're a leader within the team, whether you're a leader of the teams, whether yeah. you're a leader of the yeah. company, yeah. everybody has to think about it like that. And one of the things that you can do is this relubrication because it's just like your car. It needs the regular maintenance. You can't let it go stale like this for a long time. So you have to keep these efforts focused because what well, you'll end up with is a car that's broken down well, because it's the you didn't new norm, do the maintenance. right? Yeah. It becomes the new norm and you don't even know that the car is broken. Right. Or, you know, I remember I had these old, you know, six cylinders and sometimes like a cylinder would freeze. Like mm -hmm. I I had a six cylinder engine and we but when I took the mechanic he's like you're only running on like four cylinders of the six cylinders. Like this one's broken totally or frozen, etc. So but you don't you know that it's spitting, you know that it's not there, but you sort of get used to it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I agree with that. That's the complacency. You you I think the energy metacasters is not so much how you accelerate, but that you recognize that you're not where you need to be and you're doing something about it. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a million things you can do and I think you're gonna have a hard time being wrong when you're trying to keep the lubrication going. The fact that you, and talk about it, say why we're doing this, so put it out front, that'll connect with people and then they'll, again, you're modeling the behavior. There. Yep. One final relube thing is do, I would say, do it right. So I think when we're unlubed and we're frozen, we're not just complacent, but we'll we'll whack out a story. We'll ignore a definite. We'll net, we'll ignore an acceptance criteria. We'll do shabby. We lose. My observation is teams lose their pride in craftsmanship mm -hmm. as they lose their energy and their passion. And, and and so that's another thing of ratchet up the craft, like ra ratchet up the unit testing, ratchet up, you know, we talked about pairing like technical practices. What what, what do you, what do you think? I'm, I'm, I'm really thinking like the uh, craft, making sure, do less, right? You know, don't, don't just throw things out the door. Do less, but what you do is excellent work, yeah, excellent I, design. I, I was raised on and lived by the do it right, do it light. Yeah. Principle. Like if you just do it right the first time, yeah. It's a lot easier. You know, so that 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 was a thing that was drilled into my head and that I use with my kids, right? Like we like we talk about, well, let's like do it right, do it light and let's just knock that it would, out and do it. You know, well. I I would like to add that to that. You know that net promoter score thing mm -hmm. I was suggesting, maybe that's a value. Yeah. How, on a scale of 1 to 10, how how often are we doing it right? Right, like, like, are we proud and are we, are we proud in doing it right? Yeah. Yep. And where are we? Agreed. Just to make that transparent. Did we nail that? How do we do on this one? What do you think? I feel pretty good. I feel good about. I mean, the aside topic. from the sound effects that were added at the Galen residence, I oh think my we did gosh. Really good. <laughs> Those were not sound effects machines that we've added into the no podcast. That there was, was uh, Medicasters. There was a, a leaf blower outside, <laughs> and he he or she was. Freaking relentless. Bob, you heard that. Bob, unknowingly, behind the wall, behind the blinds, gave them the finger. 
I, because I, they were loud. <laughs> well, it wasn't. No, I didn't mind it, but they they didn't give up. No, they had that finger on the trigger. It and they, intensified. Yeah, <laughs> they were. All right. So from beautiful downtown and loud, Clary, North Carolina. I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.